What's going on, Whisper Nation? Thanks for joining us this Monday, August 2nd, for another mock draft with the Fantasy Whispers. This time we got a 12-team full-point PPR, one quarterback, one tight end, three wide receivers, two running backs. Let's get it going. Right here. Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travi. What's going on, gentlemen? What up? What's going on? Uh, definitely, definitely think uh, Austin or Big Travis was right. I think that intro is now coming in louder. I have no idea why. But oh, from the audio issues is. we were experiencing earlier before the show. I don't. I don't know. It's been like lately. The in, that intro clip has been just way louder. And then, yeah, Whisper Nation, let us know if our mic settings are fine. If you could hear us loud and clear. I know we had a couple of issues on our last live. Or my my mic was turned way down, but uh, I think I think we should be good. But yeah, we're just, just overly excited, and the internet's excited to be here with us, and it's just it, it cranking it up like that. And that would make complete sense because I know how excited we are for this mock draft, along with you, Whisper Nation. And we got a couple of spots left in our mock draft room here on Sleeper. Uh, we just dropped those on Twitter. Um, so if you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you're doing that at uh, TF Whispers so that you can catch these live links coming your way. We've got the seven and eight spots still available. Mortgage Baby just jumped in the three. Uh, J Credit, John Credit here. What's up, John? Jumped in the five. So we got just two more spots here. We'll wait about another 30 seconds before we get this one here started. But a lot of this is an exciting mock draft. I got to say, Johnny, I'm looking forward to the news that's come out. We've got actual football close to actual football that's happening. How do you think that's going to impact these mock drafts now? Oh, it's it's going to affect them quite a bit. We've got, you know, some bigger injury news, and we also have a little bit more clarity on some of these guys. You know, you got the Carson Wentz and injury info. Yeah. Five, five to 12 weeks, that's not a big span of uh, of time missed, uh, you know, as a as a forecast there. And then we've also got, you know, the, the Devonta Smith, information with him being out a couple of weeks with the uh, MCL sprain. So that should affect his ADP a little bit. You, we know more clarity on the Michael Thomas and how long he's going to be out. So yeah, there should be uh, quite the change up here. We also know that uh, sleeper sent out an update this week uh, or this weekend, excuse me, saying that they've updated the ADPs. So really looking forward to seeing how things shake up since, uh, yeah, just the mock draft marathon just a week ago when we were mocking like crazy. I know some of those big names, some of those big adjustments, updates, uh, look no further than Green Bay, Wisconsin, Travis, to have uh, number 12 back in the building. I see that fresh Adams jersey over your right shoulder over there. Seems like that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams ADP is going to stay true or climb up a little bit higher. Yeah, we were getting massive discounts on best ball drafts or uh, drafts if we, you know, I don't know if anybody's actually drafting their redraft or, or managed leagues in July. But if they were, they were getting massive discounts on Aaron Rodgers, on Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And and that is not going to happen anymore uh, because basically he's back in the building and he's back with a, a little bit. I, I don't know, you know, call it whatever it is, fabricated motivation, but that's what this guy does. And now he's got even more of it this year, came in hot with his press conference and we'll see what happens uh, this year. Yeah. The voice is back, Calvin. Thanks. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. It's made a full recovery and we are, nice. we are glad to be yeah, loud and clear as Eric says, not a whisper, not in whisper mode, but yeah. uh, we're the fantasy whispers. It doesn't mean I need to whisper when we're talking here. 
No, it just hits you like a whisper. It's just right in your in your deep ear holes right there. Actually, when you guys on the mock draft marathon last week educated me on the origins of the fantasy whispers name, and that was a, a great story. If you didn't catch the mock draft marathon, Whisper Nation, we had 24 live hours, continuous mock drafting. We did 25 mock drafts in a 24-hour run, bringing on a ton of incredible analysts, industry professionals, people involved in the fantasy football community. I'm coming on, sharing their takes. And all of those live streams are broken up into four sections uh, because it only allowed us to stream six hours at a time via YouTube. We have six, or excuse me, four live streams that are now available. You can rewatch them with some of the best in the business, including Yahoo's lead fantasy analyst, Liz Loza, NFL.com's lead analyst, Adam Rank. We had head coach, former head coach of the Browns and the Raiders, Hugh Jackson on, um, and then a ton of other great, great um, analysts and platform hosts, um, Club FFL, um, a lot of the boys from, um, I mean, just go ahead, please. I'm, I'm leaving some folks out. Dave was incredible. Uh, Moody was incredible. There were so many great voices. Do yourself a favor, go check out the mock draft. And we're going to have more videos of that coming out here. I know pretty soon as we break up some of those um, coming up, I know Johnny's working on those ones and we're working on filling up this entire draft room. So if you're interested in the three spot, we'll hold on here for about 30 more seconds until we get our mock draft here up and running. So if you want to mock draft alongside us for the next hour, go ahead, grab that three spot. You can find the link on Twitter. Yeah. Zubert saying, Oh, and we're, we, we did it. Let's we go. Did it. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. Hitting that start mock draft, baby. Let's get this one started. So we are now live drafting here. It's a 12-team, full-point PPR, uh, non-superflex, though. So you can only start one quarterback. Keep that in mind, Whisper Nation, as we get this one off and running. Um, Big Travi, any shakeups at the top of the draft? I know we've had a lot of news that's come in, some things we'll discuss, Eagles camp, Packers camp, uh, a lot of other things at the skill positions across the league. But does any of that affect the top of the draft right now, in your opinion? Well, there was an interesting Twitter debate. Johnny and I got tagged in um, just asking who the number three was. And I actually think with the Michael Thomas news, regardless of quarterback, you're looking at Kamara really solidifying himself as the number three here, given that he is, you know, got such a huge chance to be that main vein of his offense. Um, so I think that's one of the things. And then I, I think the the more we get closer to the the year, uh, we get Dax clarity on, on his injury and the line actually stays pretty healthy for Dallas. You'll see Ezekiel Elliott market uh, kind of adjust there and, and get uh, get what it needs to do there. But I'm going to look a little wild here. Want to give a uh, shout out here to a stormtrooper, new member of the whispers. First time at lives. I mock love it. Uh, he's a big Johnny fan. Uh, so swing the leg in this mock, Johnny. I love for that. that. And welcome. This is awesome. It's yeah. great to have you. Along with other great friends of the show, plug in with Jay. We yeah. were just talking here about some of the incredible uh, guest hosting performances and, and uh, uh, folks joining us on the Mock Draft Marathon. Jay, uh, second to none. I mean, his insights, the way he carries his narratives and brings forward. Go ahead and follow um, Jay uh, with the plugged in with Jay here. I'm on his YouTube channel, on his Twitter. It's it's fantastic stuff. And he's who connected us with Hugh Jackson, which was such an incredible interview to have there. And just as we said, and while you're at it, I'll check in those ones out. If you haven't liked and subscribed to the content we got coming your way and you like what you're hearing, 
uh, go ahead and hit that little button. It would do us a, a great service, and we help to keep bringing you all this great Whisper Nation news. Johnny, bringing it back here, though, there's been a lot of shakeups. Saquon Barkley was just – we had some news coming out about him, about their uh, – he's, he's progressing, but it doesn't sound enthusiastically at least. How um, How is this news that you've heard, both with Saquon Barkley and some of these other players, impacted your round one outlook? I'm I'm starting to fade uh, Saquon a little bit more. I have him as a top 10 running back right now. However, I might be changing that a little bit uh, and moving him slightly down because of this information. It's making me really concerned based on all of the info coming out and saying, oh, he, you know, he's on pace originally. And then now it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to push it. They brought in some other running backs. All this is, you know, leading me, you know, down the exo facto connect the dots here. And uh, with that, I would be moving uh, Saquon down a little bit. Um, you know, I would take Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, both of those guys, especially with the Carson Wentz news uh, for for Jonathan Taylor. I think they will run it a little bit more. We'll see what kind of uh, running backs or excuse me, what kind of. Sorry, let me make a pick here. 15 a, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. Uh, th- they should be uh, running the ball a little bit more unless they bring in another quarterback. Uh, you know, that's a, a caliber. Right now, they just had they signed Hundley, which you know, former Cardinals backup. I thought he was actually pretty decent when when I saw him play coming in play, but I don't think that he could truly carry a load for them. But he can turn around and hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. So. Uh, I do think that uh, his value is relatively the same. Johnny, you brought up an interesting point right here, and it, it mainly actually came up from when you were caught in that moment. Of, I got to make my pick really quick right here. And we're getting to that point in the season. We're in August now, right, boys? And actual drafts are beginning to be scheduled. People are selecting what point in their draft they actually want to draft at. That's how our league of record works. We do a March Madness competition, and if you come in first, you're not necessarily the number one overall pick. You pick where you want to go in the draft. So the number one overall pick could say, I want the three spot, or I want the 12 spot. I want the one spot, whatever it ends up being. And I say this, we teach the things we need to learn ourselves. And one of the things that I would advise everybody to do as you're getting, as your leagues are coming online is to do yourself a favor and write out your one through 36 picks. Just write out all of who those picks are through the first three rounds, presuming it's a three or a 12 team league because you're going to have guys you like but when it comes down to that hair splitting decision you're going to want to do that thinking ahead of time and you can it really doesn't take that much work go ahead and put picks one through 36 all the way in there and what it'll also help you do is determine where your tiers really break at because johnny was just talking about oh saquon barkley's getting faded a little bit in his rankings jonathan taylor ezekiel elliott he might have them ahead but maybe on that backside, there's another tier that that ends up falling off. So if you can build out exactly where your tiers are at and you're saying, look, maybe I like Jonathan Taylor a little bit more than Ezekiel Elliott, but they're really in the same tier. But you can move to the backside of that, grab whichever one's available and then set yourself up to grab the gem you see there in the second round. So that's my plug there for a way to get your gems and not be panicked when you're actually on the clock because I know we're actually getting ready to make our selections on this one. Um, yeah, Travis, I saw you there and your selections, Devonte Adams and Najee Harris. Was that an easy selection for you? Are you, do you kind of have your first two rounds queued up or 
How are you approaching the early leg of the draft? I'm messing around with some strategy here. I wanted to see, you know, I, I was listening to some people over at NBC Sports Edge talking about what to do once you're out of the big three at the top. Um, and they, you know, if, especially in PPR, maybe it's good to just pivot, get one of the big wide receivers, either Devontae or, or Tyreek Hill. So I wanted to see what that build would look like. And Najee Harris just seems like a really safe bet right now to get around 300 touches. Um, and his receiving ability is really nice. This team is going to run a whole lot more. And it just looks like he's kind of worked his way up into this, you know, solidified focal point of that offense. And so I'm um, not saying it's exactly easy. I think I'd rather have a guy like, you know, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon, or Eckler here, they did not fall that far. They've they've basically kind of crept up into the first round or back of the first now. Um, and so Najee Harris was just kind of the next one in that tier. For this me. is a little bit of an up. This is an evolution, yeah. isn't it, Travi? I it remember not too long is. ago, it was, was, it was Johnny and Travis. You two were having a pretty significant debate on the early round viability of, of Najee here. And I, I think this is an update now for you, Travis. Am I right on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, new information comes in, some things I'm seeing in camp, some beat writing, and and just the the way that this offense is set up. Even it, he is one of the more foolproof plans in the offense. Um, whether they want to run more and they do it, or whether they want to run more and can't, he should be able to catch catch passes out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been nothing but great reviews, and not just about what he does on the field, um, but that when the whistle blows and practice is over, this guy is sticking around, putting in the in the time, and, and really trying to be a leader on this team as a rookie and so that those are the kind of things i gravitate towards and and like to see i just i just want to say welcome aboard travis welcome aboard the bandwagon <laughs> it's great to have you i'm glad i saved sure. the seats yeah. for you uh because it, it's you're fun the, yep. you're the only one who's ever liked Najee harris uh only I, between I'm the, the, two, of you, between the you. two of you he was yeah, i'll give him that one at least on that on that plug over on that side but travis who are you thinking now on this backside filling up with your Elite yeah, wide so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with another person oh, that you? I think that has a great chance to be uh, a bell cow back here. Um, if I can't take it back in the first round because I've tried a new strategy in going uh, Devonte Adams, then I want to try and solidify those backs before I start to hammer wide receiver again in the next few rounds. And Montgomery was sitting there. Uh, I wanted Ceh, but obviously did not make it all the way around. And then Montgomery was my second one in that tier. I, that's why I really want to speak to what Austin was saying, like building out those first 36 picks, those tiers that break down for your first three rounds. It's very important that you grade guys within the same round because you're just not going to be able to, uh, you're not going to be able to get every single guy you want. It's just, that's the facts of life when you're drafting. So you're going to have to make guys fit, uh, you know, basically a, uh, a projection, a range of outcomes uh, for that points, uh, you know, barrier that you have. So if you think CH can hit that, find some other guys that can hit that as well, that ceiling, and, and make that part of your tier so that when CH inevitably gets snagged from you, uh, you're able to kind of pivot. You heard it. If you think you can hit that, pick him up. And if you're hitting with that point, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. You like that segue into that one, Johnny? I knew no, you. I knew you'd be thinking was, that. Yeah, that was thing. Yeah, best. If you like, right if you like, if you if you're picking up what we're putting down, and that like and subscribe button isn't too far away, go ahead and click it. If you change your mind, you can unclick it later. It just really allows us to continue doing what we love <laughs> so much doing. And Whisper Nation, though, let us know where are you feeling about Najee Harris right now. For me. I don't know how I could take Najee Harris over David Montgomery. I am like David Montgomery is already done. He's a top five running back coming into this season as he finished last year. Similar in age, time in the system. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just a controversial there's, take because it's just like there's nobody else on the Steelers roster that strikes fear when we have we're only two years are removed from top 30 PPR numbers from Tariq Cohen. And that's the thing. Tariq Cohen mm. really is the fear factor for David Montgomery right now. Um, so uh, I think that's the only knock on it. But why get why get uh, mad about getting one or the other? Get them both. And that fear factor, I know Johnny just had C.D. Lamb, his boy, yes. taken, and he's fuming about it. I can see him shaking that head in disgust. Yeah, Donnie over here. I, I was like, <laughs> okay, I was literally looking at the wide receivers, and there's just there's a lot of them. I mean, I'm not, I'll be able to get someone good still, but I am, you know, seeing all these hype things on on C. I was already a big fan of C.D. Got my C.D. Lamb shirt on today, repping, and I I definitely thought like. Okay, all these wide receivers. There's no way he's gonna grab CD Lamb on this. On this, he grabbed your boy. And yeah, then he asked you about it, and then he hits you with the upside down smiley face. Uh, that was that's ah uh, man. I that's think all, we might have all. missed Jay's departure, but I just wanted to give him a shout out here. Hope to get with work with y'all more soon. Had a blast doing the mock draft marathon. Oh boy, Jay, so did we. We will have you on the show anytime. Whisper Nation, follow this man's content. It's not just accurate and insightful. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of different voices and and personalities in this world. Jay is top of our list, and I think he will be the top of yours too. So go ahead and uh, go ahead. Do yourself a favor and check him out. But everybody else in here in Whisper Nation, uh, great to have you with us. Yeah. Big Sam 38, Brocal 38. You guys have the same numbers. I wonder if y'all are related. Uh, turn off Lakeside, Usman 2320, John Credit. What's up, man? Uh, Mortgage Baby, Thomas Egley, uh, Josh here, Jay Blizzy. What's up, man? Champion over there in the eight, nine spot. Easy Daddy, always a pleasure to have you. And Don Flick in the 12. Great to have you along. And everybody else watching on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. Great to have you alongside of us. It's what it's the best part of our Monday. So welcome to the show. Hope to see you stick around for this time and next time. Uh, we had, I just want to bring it. So Stormtrooper asked, do I regret not getting Lamb or Murray? And the thing is, is that I knew I had to grant, I wasn't going to, I clearly wasn't going to get one of my guys because I know that if I passed on Kyler Murray, I know that Donnie would have taken him because he's also a big Kyler Murray fan. Boomer Sooner, uh, Boomer Sooners over here. Uh, and so it looked like I wasn't going to get one of them. So I'd rather have Kyler over CD in, in this mock, but I am a little frustrated that I wasn't able to get both of my guys. Let's talk about CD Lamb actually just a little bit here, break it down, not to take up the entire show with CD Lamb, but it's one of the hottest names in fantasy football. It's a sexy pick coming out of college. Uh, Jerry Jones sure as heck loved him, picked him up despite having two wide receiver one talents in Gallup and Cooper on the squad, two talents who are still with the team. The latter of those, Michael Gallup, the head coach, Mike McCarthy, said was a wide receiver one last year. Certainly didn't put up wide receiver one numbers, but that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the capabilities and possibilities of Michael Gallup were that good. He's still young. He's still developing. Amari Cooper's never had under 1,000 yards in a season he's really played. He's the number one over there, too. We know that defense in Dallas is atrocious, or it was last year. Uh, Dak is supposed to be the one to overcome all of this deflated defense, which is in fantasy wise, a good thing for you, right? Trav, he's going to keep you going, keep you motivated, have to keep throwing down, throwing downfield because you're down by 16 points. But that's still Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper wide receiver, one talent. 
on the roster with more experience than CeeDee Lamb, who's the who's the new hotness, but has got some competition ahead of him. Is is CeeDee Lamb about to just break through that big Travi and say, nah, Amari, nah, Michael, like this is my team now? Or are we just excited by the potential of CeeDee Lamb and maybe uh, a year early? Yeah, this one's tough, right? Because we there's a lot of things that could factor into CeeDee Lamb's ADP that would make him unappealing. Uh, one is hard knocks. Two is the fact that Amari Cooper is now dealing with a foot injury, and we see what foot injuries have done to wide receivers. And Jerry Jones's comment on that was, oh, maybe sometime in August. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, we need to like maybe know that uh, for fantasy football purposes since we're drafting in August. I think that maybe it's not as big of a deal. Um, but and and we've just seen what Dak Prescott has done for Amari Cooper's career. So to just discount Amari Cooper and and Dak's chemistry is is fools as uh, a fool's errand. But there is no doubting that Ceedee Lamb is a first round talent, prolific talent, and is on a team that is going to throw a ton. So for me, it is Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb. Um, and when I started this offseason, it was Amari Cooper before CeeDee Lamb. But now, given the foot injury and how that thing's progressing uh, and just the, the the murkiness of that, I don't mind taking CeeDee Lamb above Amari Cooper at this point. Mm, um, and that John, could change you? with new information. I have flip-flopped them in my rankings. Uh, I have put CeeDee Lamb above Amari Cooper now because of the very foot injury, because of him missing time. The big thing I want to note here is – Sure, this year, I mean, it, once Cooper comes back, you know, that chemistry is there. I don't think you need a, a grip of time to get that chemistry going. But here's the interesting thing. Amari's on or yeah, Amari's on his last year of his contract. What CD Lamb is showing right now in I, I get it, it's practice. I get it. It is against the the Cowboys who we don't, you know, think has a good defense. But I mean, the catches he's making is are very, very good. And he's really showing that, hey, I'm ready to take that step to be your alpha number one. And I think that the longer Amari, you know, stays out, the longer we see more and more tape of of CD Lamb, you know, really emerging as this alpha, I think the less likely it is that Dallas brings back Amari next year. So to your point, Austin, you know, are we a year too early on CD? potentially right because we are starting to get up there right now there are certain factors that might not be similar uh you know compared to the regular season but i will say that in the future you know you know if you're in a keeper league or whatnot i think cd is pretty pretty much a solid pick there because moving into next year i do see cd lamb being that number one alpha and if he is we're you know what we're talking about i think he'll be way more consistent than amari and i think he has better hands than amari too so Good take. Good points on that one. If you agree with what Johnny's saying right now, go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button to keep those insights flowing into your brain throughout the rest of the regular season. Walter Reed chimes in here on the uh, CD Lamb Dallas situation. As long as he plays the slot, especially now with Dak and that shoulder injury. And I'll just say on this, shoulder injuries are things that you can play through, but it might take your deep ball down 10%, which would have an enormous impact. Keep an eye out for that. And as we've learned from Tom Brady's news coming out recently that he was playing the entire season on a torn MCL, you don't always hear everything that's going on. So these injuries that come out, like just temper expectations, know that nobody's 100%. And as they say, some guys are, are race cars in the sense of a, a race car is real fast when all the 
bolts are tight, but when one little thing goes off, it's in the garage then. So, so keep an eye on that when you are making your selections here. Um, and Big Travi, speaking of selections, you went ahead and took TJ Hawkinson there in the five ahead of Mark Andrews, ahead of Kyle Pitts, fourth tight end off the board. I love that selection right there. Do you think, though, that TJ Hawkinson is going to be one of Jared Goff's main weapons coming in this year? Yeah, everything coming out of beat writers is just lining up with what we thought. So when we started the offseason, it's like, man, there's a, you know, that cupboard is dry now. There's not a lot of weapons in Detroit. We know that, T- that Jared Goff has used his tight ends fine uh, in the past. And now we know from beat writers and coaches that TJ Hawkinson's the best player on the field, basically, for Detroit. Mm. Um, and so if that's the case, everything is converging into TJ Hawkinson being the main weapon, the main vein, maybe outside of a De- DeAndre Swift from game to game. But TJ Hawkinson is probably going to be how this team moves the ball. And now, so I don't think a ton of touchdown upside might be mm. there for TJ just because of the, the nature of this offense. But target-wise, in a PPR format, this guy is going to eat. And so TJ Hawkinson, firmly inside our top five um, based on the rankings that Johnny puts together from the draft kit, uh, which you can get at the fantasywhispers.com. But TJ Hawkinson just is is poised to eat this year, and I'm really excited to have him on. Roster. I love the pickup there, and I think TJ Hawkinson is perfectly primed for a breakout year. Folks don't realize the man is just 24 years old, was a first-round selection two years ago, and last year had 723 yards. Um, on 101 targets. I think he's going to have even more. He's been hurt a lot, but he's played through that. He's six foot five, 250. Um, I, I think that he's going to be uh, the new Darren Waller, if you will, coming in this year. Um, I think he's shown every reason to think that's going to happen. His ADP is starting to get to where you're going to need to have that happen, but I'm feeling pretty good about TJ coming in this year right now. And I, and I think that's a a good conversation point. Are there any, as ADP keeps shifting, I want to do something here moving forward through the end of our mock drafts of like taking a little bit more analysis of how the ADPs rise and fall. But Johnny, I wanted to bring the question back to you, who you took Miles Gaskin there in the sixth round. We've been talking a lot about running backs. We always will. They're so rare. They're so impactful, of course. But Josh Jacobs, Daryl Henderson, and Miles Gaskin had been pretty close. Kareem Hunt was also in that category. I'm starting to see some separation now. I'm seeing Josh Jacobs went ahead in the fourth round, Henderson right behind him there, um, and then Gaskin after Kareem Hunt. Edmonds right in that camp too. Do you think this is is where we're going to continue to see this trend? Is Jacobs, was he slept on a little bit, now he's climbing up? Or is that is that a, is that too high right now as far as you're estimating? Is Gaskin being slept on? Is he somebody that we should really be targeting more from a bell cow running back slot? How are you kind of shaking out that Josh Jacobs, Daryl Henderson Miles Gaskin, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, and even Miles Sanders would be the last name I'd add into that, Johnny. Yeah, so I Jacob's ADP is now starting to correct itself. I do think it's still a little over. I think like the fifth or sixth round, like he should be going with these guys. I'm not saying he shouldn't, uh, but I would tend to have. Let me actually I can pull up my uh, exact rankings on uh, Josh Jacobs. And yeah, so I have him as RB 23. So I still have a lot of the guys that were taken uh, after him above him, specifically like Miles Gaskin. I do think a lot of people are sleeping on him. We do know that when he was in uh, Miami or last year when he was healthy, he was the guy he Miami gave it to one running back. Now they did bring in Malcolm Brown, uh, you know, who is, you know, more of like a 
uh, pass blocker specialist. He's really good at that. He can get the dump off. So, you know, maybe Miles Gaskin gets a little bit of a regression on touches. But again, his value, the reason why it is what it is, one, he's not a big name guy, right? He was like a, a seventh rounder or unrestricted uh, free agent that they brought in after the draft. So there's not significant value. A lot of people don't trust in those guys quite yet. They like to see it a little bit more. So, yes, he is a little bit of a gamble, but I do have him as a top 15 running back this year. So I do think people are sleeping on him a little bit uh, more. Like, for example, taking Kareem Hunt before a guy like Gaskin. Now I understand and I get that Kareem Hunt, his name, he is very talented running back, but his touches are very limited. And you also are kind of banking on Nick Chubb having to go down to really get that full potential when right out of the gate, uh, I know that Gaskin is going to have his full potential. And then it works out for me that if Gaskin, you know, ends up, you know, not being who I think he is and I need to drop him, I'm more I'm going to more so do that. Whereas Kareem Hunt, I'm continuing to hold on because I'm like, well, the whole reason I drafted him was because I'm hoping that Nick Chubb goes down because then I could potentially have an RB1 upside guy. And so I, I just don't, I'm not going to, I wouldn't play that way. But again, if someone needs that, like I understand why Jay Blizzy took a guy like Kareem Hunt because he's pairing him with Zeke Elliott. That was his RB anchor. So he's only looking for plug and play RB twos. Uh, so it all depends on strategy. But yeah, for me, I have, I have some of the, like I have Henderson a little bit up a little bit higher than most yeah. people do uh, and, and things like that. But again, when, and when you're in these rounds, we encourage you go for the guys that you like to watch, go for the guys that, um, you know, you feel like have the highest potential upside um, and as well as a solid floor, uh, because once again, the draft capital isn't to where if you miss on these guys, you're buried. Whereas in like the first three rounds, if you miss mm -hmm. on a on a draft pick there, you might be oh like Tony Pollard there. That might. I'm gonna, I just got to ask so like to bring other guys into this conversation here while Johnny's making his selection there on Gaskin. I look at Gaskin. I say, easy come, easy go. And at Gaskin was a guy who popped up out of nowhere. We thought it was Breda. We thought it was Jordan Howard. Then it was Gaskin. Then it was Salvin Ahmed. Then there was other players coming in, coming out. I don't think Gaskin's shown enough to be the guy in Miami. I think they would love to have a more explosive, more impactful running back take the touches away from Gaskin. They just don't have that running back there yet. But in terms of a year of life happening i'm not surprised if any one of those running backs could be brown could be dokes their sixth round selection ends up taking that role from gaskin a guy who's like never had more than 700 yards in a season i i i look at guys like moster i look at guys like james robinson i even look at coin tosses like ronald jones who's splitting the backfield with leonard fournette even damian harris like i look at these guys as being slightly more established names with more um upside from an opportunity perspective and an offensive perspective I'm I'm just what's the difference between Gaskin and Robinson? The difference between Gaskin and Robinson is that Robinson got the role the entire season and he was more efficient with the opportunities that he had. Yeah, I think talent would be there for Robinson, like if effectiveness, efficiency would would all tilt so, towards Robinson. I would say Gaskin's on par and like Gaskin is like James Robinson light, in my opinion. Um, but like James Robinson is was a better runner than like you can look at all the stats like right he was like advanced metrics he was a better runner last year than miles gaskin well i mean uh, uh, two to a couple of case in points here right um james robinson was running behind a better offensive line if you look statistically actually gaskin had one of the best 
um, statistical because of how bad his uh, offensive line was and how often he was getting hit. He was actually considered one of the most, uh, one of the higher valued uh, RBs last year. And then you're talking about, you know, James Robinson doesn't have dra- high draft capital either. He, he was a he was a late round guy. Um, I'll go with the guy on the cover. It's a little it's a little high here for Lavisca, but um, I'll uh, I kind of uh, we'll see. And uh, the other thing I'll say is that um, you know you talk about bringing in a guy. Well, like Jacksonville just brought in a number one pick running back, and Who they want to play uh, the and the Dolphins, the Dolphins, Dolphins. the scat back spot. And like sure. I'm just right. I know you I know you selected Gaskin, so you're stoked on him, and you got reasons to to pick him, but. He's just not an overly impressive back. He hasn't done a lot to earn a lot of time. They've got a lot of people in the running back room, and we don't know what this offense is totally about. We're getting in new schemes. We're getting in full. We're getting uh, two is going to have the reins the entire season. And I'm just saying that there's just some question marks, and I'm not sold on his upside from that perspective. I'm wondering if someone like Damian Harris has more upside. Like Travis, you you picked Damian Harris here, who we know has a ton of other competition from the running back room involved. They they drafted a rookie, Sony Michelle I think is still on board. You know, they're going to pull up Jonah Gray from retirement, who knows. <laughs> we know not we know that Damian Harris did play well with the opportunities he had, but is he can you ever rely on those opportunities from Belichick? And I know I just asked you this question as you're about to make a pick. Oh, I've already got the pick queued up. Uh, yeah, I mean, Damian, Damian Harris is a guy that I just have warmed on. I wanted to get ahead of the ADP uh, hype here. So just took him around earlier than ADP because uh, he's going off usually in the eighth or ninth round. Um, and it, it just, look, we can say it every year that there's Bellatrix, but at you know, at some point when they go and get two tight ends and they trade for a lineman and they have Cam Newton or even a rookie, if, if they go on from Cam Newton, they go to a rookie. Everything spells bully ball. Everything spells conservative style of running. And that means that if somebody were to be good enough, which we saw in spurts last year to, you know, I want to give Johnny and, and Austin credit on this. They saw a lot in Damian Harris before I even saw a lot in Damian Harris. Um, part of that is exposure to him last year in fantasy, but uh, you know, Harris was a good runner. We talk about advanced metrics. He was a good runner when he got the volume and they know that in camp it's coming out in camp and, and Sony Michelle could be a cut candidate right now. That's what all the whispers are saying right now. They got a guy in Ramondre Stevenson, who's a rookie. We know bill takes a while to, you know, trust rookies. So I really think Damian Harris has a clearer path to a bunch of volume than people want to really admit. And his ADP is starting to reflect that because he's climbing. But uh, that's just where I'm at with Damian. I think he's just a, a good bet in these rounds to like go snag you a guy that could end up being an RB2 with RB1 upside from week to week. Yeah, that was mostly I got to give the I appreciate the kudos uh, that you handed out. But that was a big uh, Austin one. He really talked me into Harris last year. He was like, hey, you got to watch this guy. And uh, sure enough. Yeah, I liked what I saw. The reason why I like Harris is because we just didn't know. And it was actually like the mystery box. <laughs> The mystery box price was deflated. Usually the mystery box has a premium price on it, right? It's like, oh, this rookie could be really good or this guy in this new system could be just what he's been waiting for. But on the on this side with Damian Harris, it was like a guy they took and, you know, in the first three rounds and they basically redshirted him because they felt like it and it's the Patriots. So predictions to trash and they just were like, we're, we don't need to start him. We don't need to show you. We're just going to we're just going to bench him, essentially. And they did. But it was like this guy was still drafted relatively early. And the rest of the dudes on the roster, I, I, I just don't know. And that's a little bit where the same thought with like Gaskins come up or Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette or even James Robinson. It's like 
what don't we know? And some of these guys might be down a little bit, but actually have more to provide than they've shown. I think Daryl Henderson could be a great candidate like that, who the main critique I see coming on Daryl Henderson is his durability. But it's like, let's go ahead and not try to predict injuries. He's not trying to get hurt. I know Sean McVay would love for Henderson to not get hurt. Um, if he can go ahead and play a full season and not get hurt, like you're looking at a guy with tremendous it just, upside. It's funny on Henderson. Like if if the knock is is durability, he's literally the understudy from a guy who got hurt. Like, like why are we why are we <laughs> trying point. to discount Henderson for durability when the guy he's replacing just got hurt? So and yeah, he's I been mean, hurt twice. He was hurt because yeah, he, he like, missed so a bunch he, of time last. And, year. and the reason we like Henderson is because when Acres got hurt, Henderson balled out. So, like, I think this is just, yeah, I mean, we're going to see. Like, it's just that people loved Akers so much, and there was already a debate coming into last year, Akers v. Henderson, right? Because Henderson was drafted with capital the year before. Akers was drafted with capital last year. Uh, and so it's like, oh, my God, if you have a guy, you've got a horse in the race, you better just besmirch the guy that comes in. You know, if Henderson comes in, you can't come back on that take. No, we're, you know, uh, Austin, you say this all the time. You're your uh, outlook, your opinion, it changes with new information. New information is here. Cam Akers is hurt. We've got to really approach this backfield differently now. And the mm-hmm. approach is Daryl Henderson has shown us very, yes, albeit in a small sample size, that he's good, but he's also shown us that, uh, you know, he can carry the load if they give it to him. And yeah, is the leash going to be short? Yeah, but you don't have to pay an Akers price for it. Great take on this one. Johnny, I want to ask you, because it's still bothering me on this, where are we breaking down as of now? And as Travis said, new information will change our outlook. But where do you currently sit right now in the Tampa Bay backfield? Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard is there. I think I got apologies for whom said this on the mock draft marathon, but uh, Giovanni Bernard is not going to be fantasy relevant, but he will have a fantasy impact. And that might be an impact. Who was it? I think Hugh Jackson was talking about it because he used to, yeah. he used to, yeah. He yeah, used Hugh Jackson, a uh, big fan of Geo, worked with him back in Cincinnati <laughs> and talking about the relevancy Geo's going to have from a football perspective, which is going to make an impact there on the running back productivity from a fantasy perspective. Leonard Fournette was just taken, Johnny. Ronald Jones was taken two rounds plus five picks later or earlier. Where do you stack Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette up right now? So there has been a lot of good uh, news coming out about Ronald Jones uh, over at at training camp. I do actually think uh, Giovanni will be used more than people think. And, you know, as far as the pass catching goes, because Tom Brady does like to spread that out and, and get a running back who is really good at pass catching. And we brought it up many a times on this show that like, Uncle Lenny was not getting it done. There were a lot of dump offs that he missed, and it was very frustrating for Tom. Uh, we also, ridiculous. yeah, and we know that Ronald Jones doesn't have very good hands. Yeah, I understand he's staying after practice to try to catch more, but we've seen this time and time again from guys that have stone hands. They, you know, they work on this, and you know, it doesn't always translate to game action. And so, I do think that you know, you look at this offense, and they do give that you know third down 
back, that scat back, uh, a decent portion of the target percentage. They've gotten uh, roughly about 10% over the last couple of years uh, in Tampa Bay. And then you also look at, you know, what James White did. So I do actually mm-hmm. think there'll be some weeks where, uh, you know, Geo can come in and, and be, you know, a, a plug and play flex play for you because that's, you know, what he does. He, we've seen him also carry the load if he needed to when Joe Mixon went down and he was a solid, you know, RB2 for you. So I do think it muddies the waters a little bit. I do think that, the, you know, it's going to split time between Uncle Lenny and and um, and Rojo. I think it's going to be a little frustrating. I'm starting to fade this background in general. But again, if you are going with the upside down, we do know that, you know, Uncle Lenny does have that monster touchdown upside or Rojo. So I think if you are going to grab this backfield, I would at least grab those two and take them and just say, okay, I'm going to let the dice roll on whatever guy gets that main Johnny, workload. I'm, I know. He's graduated from Uncle Lenny, dude. He's not Uncle Lenny. He's Lombardi Lenny now. Uh, oh, Lombardi Lenny. We have to, we have, we have to come, come correct when we talk about Lenny now. Okay. Uncle Lombardi Lenny. Lombardi. <laughs> Uncle Lombardi Lenny. That's good. <laughs> Uncle Lombardi. Um, we got some people talking here about Gio, Walter Reed coming in, Gio and PPR. We all forgot what James White was to Brady in New England. No, I don't think we did, but we just haven't seen Gio and Tom do it yet. Well, so I'm also, not surprised like, if it happens. We don't need to spend a bunch of time. Like, Gio's a fine end of round, end of draft pick if you want to see what happens. Like, you can, you'll find out, I think, quickly enough what they're going to, the role is. But, like, did we forget that somebody was the hammer when James White was the pass catcher in New England? And they're going to need the hammer. Like, it's not like they're, yeah, they, I'm okay if they want to give Gio all of the passing down work. They clearly want to do that because they led the league in drops last year from the running back position. Gross. But that's okay. Like, go and let one of these two, that's the question, let one of Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones be the touchdown guy, be the hammer, be the grinder, and that is going to be valuable on this team because this team is going to continue to move the ball all over the field. So that that's that's what I think is important. And so to Johnny's point, like, maybe you fade on Ronald Jones because now you're having to take him two rounds ahead because of the hype that's been coming out. And maybe you end up going with a, a guy like Leonard Fournette because he's the established and, and his nickname's better. I love it. I love this comment. This is so great. Way to go, Calvin. Everyone's tank gets a, a rueful boost when they're handpicked by Brady. Absolutely yes. true. We've seen this time and time again. Get touched. Woo! Hey, I know. Hey, I'll tell you right now. If Tom Wrong. Brady came, if Tom Brady, yeah, if Tom Brady came on this mock draft marathon, you best believe we're getting a little boost uh, to our our status here because he comes on here. I want to ask now, J- Travi, you just took Joe Burrow there. No issue with the selection over the aforementioned Tom Brady. That might be a good debate to have the young blood versus the old blood. But I mean, no fantasy here. perspective doesn't care about your Super Bowl rings. But I wanted to ask you here actually about the selection you made in the ninth round, one before your Joe Burrow pick here, Zach Moss in the ninth. And I love that pick, Travi. I want to talk about this from a um, an opportunity and a ceiling perspective. Zach Moss is a great pick because this is a second year back who disappointed in a lot of categories last year who split more time with Devin Singletary who had Josh Allen do his around the goal line thing Um, but the upside for Zach Moss is the lead back with touchdown upside playing in a cold weather team that's Mm -hmm. the upside so a guy who could be getting the majority of the touches on early down work has a competitive chance at doing passing down work and has an edge at being the goal line back. 
I'm taking that guy 10 times out of 10 over a Kenyon Drake. I'm taking that over a guy whose upside is as it stands right now, barring anyone getting hurt, is the pass catching back who might get a little bit of work on early down. Yeah, if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, Drake could really be an exceptional piece to have. But unless we're playing the handcuff game, I think we're looking at standalone value right now. Like, I just like the standalone value and the upside of a Zach Moss over somebody like a Drake or a James Conner or even an A.J. Dillon. Like, Zach Moss and Leonard Fournette, to me, actually kind of stand in a different category than Drake, who was taken just a little bit earlier, or Dylan, who was taken a little bit later, or Connor, who was taken a full round earlier. How do you kind of look at evaluating that upside for these players, Travi, uh, at this point in the draft? Yeah, Fournette for me is tough to com- – I think Fournette is kind of in the same category as Drake. Like, he's got – he needs things to happen for him to actually be – to be the guy that hits. He can't just be the lead dog. Like, like Fournette doesn't come out and bust guts game one. And now he's the lead back over Ronald. Uh, Jones. We, well, we saw that, like we saw that in week two of last year. And then still Ronald Jones got work. Like, that's the thing is I think they like using both these backs because they're both good at different things. Like Fournette is fast and like a bruiser, but there's the, Ronald bust Jones guts. is a slasher. Yeah. Bust guts. I think that's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think Ronald Jones does a lot for that team as well. And so I think as, as long as they both exist, they're going to do things. Whereas Drake, like needs, similar he needs Josh Jacobs to go away Ronald I like think Leonard Fournette needs Ronald Jones to go away for him to be that so they both kind of have impediments to their value and that's where I kind of like get a does little it, bit is, is that true Johnny is that, that true does, can, can okay. Fournette just not take it oh, I I think that we forgetting uh that Leonard Fournette had a high ankle sprain early in the season and he missed a bunch of games we thought they were healthy scratches but uh it turns out it was like a high ankle sprain and then what we saw was when he came back and then he really started to get worked into this offense they really leaned on him so you know again he signed the one-year contract for him um and you know Ronald Jones is on the last year of his rookie deal so you know he's going to be motivated once again it's just I do think they'll give the first at for you know Leonard Fournette I'm not arguing that Fournette's upside isn't higher than Drake's it clearly is it's a better offense he should definitely be drafted ahead of Drake I agree with that right I just uh, my point is is that they both have more in their way uh you know they they all three of those guys Fournette Drake and Dylan have more in their way than a guy like Zach Moss right now currently that that was where I, I think, was getting there well her. the other I mean the thing is 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 that is that necessarily true because here's the here's the actual uh, here's the picture is this how you of full circle for Devin yeah. Singletary right no, now. No, 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 not Devin Singletary. <laughs> uh, hear me out. Um, when you you know you're talking about where is the line of of you know what he has to work through in a, in order to get his potential. Well, you've got a couple of things hindering his upside in Buffalo. Buffalo was one of the first teams last year and one of the only teams last year that had a 60-40 split as far as throwing versus running the ball. And you will probably start seeing that happen more oftentimes than not moving forward in the NFL because it just makes more sense analytically. The second thing passing that more were, than running, right? 60% cor- passing, 40% running. And they were one of the correct. only ones to have that wide a divide. 60% to 40% is is a lot more passing than throwing compared to the league, right? So that's exactly. Saying, Usually yeah. the league is right around 50-50, or you know, in some cases it will be, you know, 55-45, but you know, 60-40 is a significant split. The second thing I want to bring up is well, he does have, you know, the the other running mate there in Singletary, although I do agree that Zach Moss is more valuable in my opinion this year than Singletary but 
the biggest picture is you've got Josh Allen there that needs to get out of the way. The dude's taken eight rushing touchdowns a year, and yeah. that's bigger than any of the other guys taking, you know, the, like that's like on par with yeah, Josh that Jacobs. That's on par with what Uncle Lenny could do. So I know you're making your pick here, and it's important for us to. Well, Ronald Jones had seven touchdowns last year. So, like, it's very yeah. similar. Like, right. Uh, do we do we think that Josh Allen's propensity to take it over the goal line is going to continue? I mean, or are we going to see a lesson learned from the Cam Newton career timeline where, yeah, you did it a lot. And I'm not going to say one reason was what downgraded Cam Newton from a perennial MVP candidate and winner to now a guy who like we're scratching our heads when Bilicek says he is the starting quarterback. I think a lot of that abuse on the body played into it. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong variables here, but if I'm Buffalo and I'm looking at Josh Allen as my franchise QB who is special, I don't want him doing that stuff. Yeah, I want to score the touchdown for sure. I want to win the game at almost any cost, but if I can get Zach Moss to take it over the goal line versus my franchise QB, I'm going to want to see that happen. Right, Johnny? Isn't that what I would rather see? Uh, Yeah, and I think... I mean, we had uh, Ian Ian on a few weeks ago, and he talked about that. Like, as Josh Allen gets his major contract, then, yeah, we could probably see that. But we don't have a new contract. He's heading into that final year. And what do we see typically from quarterbacks going into their, you know, contract year? We see that's the year they really start to, like, put up stats because they want to get paid, right? They want to get paid and blow up like the world trade, you know, Uh to quote Biggie. Uh, and so I do think that this year, once again, I think that we could end up seeing at the end of the day that we were just a year early on Zach Moss and he starts to do that next year, you know, when he's getting paid 200 plus million a year or sorry, not a year. That would be amazing. 250 plus, uh, you know, for his whole contract. And I think that then they're like, OK, we need to protect you a little bit more because we're not just paying you, uh, you know, what we have been paying you on your rookie contract. And so I think that maybe next year they tend to reel that back as far as him rushing. But again, we, I, I do like Zach Moss as a late round dart throw because his, it's so it's such a good value where like the risk is so baked in and it's like, okay, if I, if we're wrong on Zach Moss, drop him. He's a ninth rounder. We basically start saying like from rounds 10 on, just start taking your, your dart throws there. So what's, what's one extra round. Right. And then like talk about like, you know, and then, Travi gets Joe Burrow and Justin Fields in rounds 10 and 12. And it's like, okay, well, like that could in theory be a, your ninth round quarterback. And then it's like, you're just basically balancing out your roster there. So I That's do what think I was Zach really getting to Johnny. Like yeah. that was the point that I really brought up when I asked Travis about his Zach Moss selection. And then the players going running back specifically near that same selection, Kenyon Drake, AJ Dillon. It's like, I don't want a guy on my team who's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that means I should drop him like a Drake. Like if Drake comes on my squad, Travis, and he's doing what I expect for him to be doing, everybody stays healthy. He's getting the third down work, a little bit of early down work when he's spelling Jacobs. Like I'd rather have a more upside player taking up space on my roster, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. And that's what I was trying to like kind of reiterate is that the other guys going around Moss and Fournette, like Fournette does have upside, don't get me wrong. Um, so maybe he doesn't belong in that. But like Drake and Dylan are, you know, going around that time. Like Moss's upside is the number one back on that offense. And that, you know, I was trying to get to this, but Johnny did come in like eight touchdowns for Josh Allen. What if that comes down to four or five? 
You know, then we're feeling like Zach Moss is in line to get those touchdowns. That increase becomes the guy. five touchdowns, you know. So I think that's what's happening now. Sigmund Bloom likes to say you can't assume rational coaching where, you know, you <laughs> like you can't assume that's going to happen. But I would agree with you, Austin. I would think that rational coaching is saying, look, we've seen Cam Newton. We've seen the and we brought in Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, like Cole Beasley is here. Like we want Josh Allen to throw more. We right. have encouraged that throw more. Don't run as much. But in order to win in the NFL, the team has to run a little bit more, too. Um, especially when it gets cold. And so I think if those two lines of thinking, Mary, Zach Moss is definitely league winner uh, potential going in the ninth round as a guy that could end up being your RB2 or your flex uh, for you for the rest of the season, just based on if things kind of change and tilt towards the media. And that's what we see. They were one of the best pass-happy teams. Johnny can attest to this. He builds the projections out. When a team goes from being extremely pass-happy one year Technically, they tend to go back to the median a little bit and they even out in that ratio. And so that's something we could definitely see happen with Buffalo. And I would actually expect that. Great breakdown there and a great mock draft with y'all, Whisper Nation. We just got through (laughs) this 13 team 12 uh, or this 13 round 12 team full point PPR mock draft. An honor to do it with y'all. We're going to go now and get into our draft grades where we're going to be taking a look at the whole team and letting you know who we think did the best between the teams we are evaluating. There's three of us, Travi, Johnny, and myself. Uh, We've got 10 teams to evaluate here. Johnny, take three. Travi, take three. I'll take four. Be the odd one out on that. We'll break down our selection. We'll then say who we think was the winner. And then Whisper Nation, let us know of those three finalists who you think actually did the best. And while we're taking a second to break those down, if you think one team stands out here, go ahead and drop a comment in the chat. We know the fantasy football show. This is Smitty. Great comment. Was a guest on our mock draft marathon. 6'6", Javante Williams and 4'1", CeeDee Lamb. Steals of the entire draft. Double muscle emojis on this one. Go check out Smitty's content. It's phenomenal stuff. A couple of questions that we'll try to get to here to make sure we get everybody closed out. Wanted to bring in Donnie's point here. Don't be shocked if Breda steals a lot of the Bills carries this season. Interesting point. Breda over there in the running back room. Could be a factor. Not probably a main one right now, but if he does make a little bit of a splash, we're not totally surprised. But boys, are we we ready to jump into this? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, you want to go ahead and start on the, we'll start on the front. How about we do it like this? I'll do the first four and then we can grab the ones that are surrounding you. So I'll do big Sam 38, Brocal 38, turn off Lakeside and Usman 2320. And then Travi get the guys around him, John credit mortgage, baby, and Thomas Edley. And then Johnny close us out there with Jay Blizzy, easy daddy and Don flex that work for y'all. That's yep. perfect. Sounds perfect. Beautiful. All right. So at the one, one selection, big Sam 38 takes Christian McCaffrey. Don't need to make things more complicated than they are. Um, I'm going to take a look at the rest of the running backs that he has here. Michael Carter, Jr. Rookie selection in the jets is his number two. And Raheem Mostert uh, is his uh, third running back with Gus boss. Edwards Baltimore's back up behind J.K. Dobbins, we presume, as his fourth running back. A little bit of the anchor running back strategy there for Big Sam 38, and I like the help that he was able to pull in for Christian McCaffrey. Carter could lead the way. It's now a no, it's no longer a, um, 
uh, Adam Gase led team. So let's not hold expectations as they've been in the years past for the Jets. Um, Mostert should be the lead dog. Madden said he's the fastest running back of the mix like that for a run dominant team. We'll see if that one cut system can keep their one cut backs on the field. We'll see. But not a bad one there, like the running back situation. Wide receivers, Calvin Ridley was your first off the board. A lot of expectations for the new lead dog in Atlanta. Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson. A little bit of a dice roll on those ones. You went with some less sure things to pick up some more high upside mystery selections there. We have a lot of conversation on, is it Deontay Johnson? Is it Chase Claypool? We expect Juju Smith-Schuster to still be that kind of perennial number two, but we're not too many years away from me thinking he was like the new young hotness at the wide receiver position. So still some question marks there at the wide receiver core. But I like it for your team. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis, quarterback Wentz or not. I like that dart throw, especially later on. And then Marvin Jones, we talked about him with uh, Joe Zolo and how he perennially just does work. Um, Marvin Jones, I don't think he's going to kick ass this season, but he proves me wrong all the time, no matter where he's at. So I don't hate your wide receiver position. Let's see who's going to be throwing people the ball, though, for your team. Matt Stafford and Trey Lance. Stafford is a slept on quarterback this year in the Rams and Sean McVay's team. Um, Should be the best situation he's been at his entire career. Uh, even when he had Megatron because he was in Detroit, which is just a Bermuda Triangle for everything. Um, I like his Darren Waller selection at the tight end. You get an elite right there. It looks like another 1,100-yard season coming for that tight end. Um, Not bad. Not bad on this squad. Uh, Question marks at the wide receiver. I think that's your weakness. Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley aren't bad, but they're not slam dunks as far as I'm concerned. Calvin Ridley is your number one. You took him to be that guy. I think it's a fine one. I don't need to take him over. Like I'm not Keenan Allen's not a slam dunk over him. Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson. I like that with what you did. Um, I think it's a, it's a fine team. I think it's well drafted. I think I don't think you reached for anybody too wild. You, you played the the flow as it went pretty good. Jumping over here to Brocal 38, who took Dalvin Cook with their number two selection. Really safe bet. Feels good. Um, AJ Brown there as your lead wide receiver. There a bit of an anchor strategy there from the running back and wide receiver pool because you did go quarterback and tight end there in your other three and four picks. So a very balanced first round there. You took a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end in your first four rounds, and you got four good ones right there. You could argue even like four elites right here, which is which is nice. I think we're kind of holding back on the elite crown for A.J. Brown with the Julio news, but we're not surprised if he ends up totally bossing out i think there's just a little bit of a wait and see with a a former elite wide receiver who still wants to be elite and julio joins joining a perennially run dominated team in tennessee we'll see what happens though aj brown is no joke amari cooper and jerry judy would be the supplemental cast there at your wide receiver core and i love this i think amari cooper and jerry judy have tons of upside with actually really good floors too and we've had some great news for jerry judy coming out of camp recently like that Rashad Bateman, Johnny could talk a lot of positive news about Rashad Bateman. Um, Being in Baltimore isn't obviously the best landing spot. Fortunately, unfortunately, the Hollywood Brown news does bump up Bateman for you a little bit. Uh, Rondell Moore and Amon St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, excuse me, two really good wide receiver uh, rookies that you took who are both slotted to have opportunity on their given teams. Um, Where you got them in the draft, I think it's actually, it's not a bad pick. Um, let's see your other running backs there to go along with Dalvin Cook. You got James Robinson and Kenyon Drake, along with Latavius Murray. 
Uh, you know, for not picking up another running back until round seven, I like the upside and the floor. You still were able to bring your squad. No one's really talking about Latavius Murray. We're talking a lot about Alvin Kamara. Um, and I think Latavius Murray actually deserves a little bit more conversation as, as he still should be the predominant number two. Um, the number two for a number one who doesn't dominate volume. So I, I think Latavius Murray going in round 13, the last round of the selection is, is kind of a steal from an upside perspective. Way to go on that. Drake, we talked a lot about him, kind of needs something to happen. But if it does, you got a, you got an ace in the hole and he does have standalone value. And James Robinson, where you're, I think I think that ADP is is still too a little bit low, even if it goes exactly how we're expecting it to go with Travis Etienne being the bigger playmaker, getting all the third down work. Um, James Robinson gets the majority of the early down work and the goal line work, the seventh round. Like, it feels pretty good. feels pretty good. Um, and you got George Kittle at your tight end, which is elite. And then Dak Prescott, elite at the quarterback position. Hey, he had a little bit of a shoulder injury. Hey, he's recovering. No problem. You got reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers, who's back in Green Bay wearing cool mirrored sunglasses, look like he's having fun <laughs> there in the eighth round. I think that's a really good cover for the quarterbacking position. So a well-balanced, solid team. You didn't reach. You didn't go out of out of your lane. Um, well done, bro. Cal 38. Let's take a look now off turn off Lakeside, who takes Alvin Kamara at the three spot and a little bit about divergence from our last two, another running back there in the second with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, another man we just found out was suffering from a season long injury, but he played anyways. At least that's the news we're catching today. Really that just to, to me says people are going to be injured and they're not going to tell you about it. So just understand it's a violent game. Things happen and uh, you can't predict injuries, and you can't even take people at their word when they do tell you. As Hugh Jackson said on the Mock Draft Marathon, coach speak is always a tool. If it's telling the truth, it's just coincidental. It's a tool to bring your team together. It's a team to elevate a player on your squad. It's a, it's a tool to distract and bring confusion in for their opponent. It's, it's you know, so they're not going to tell you they're hurt unless they've got a reason why. Sticking in that running back conversation, though, Ronald Jones in the seventh, not bad for a seventh round running back. That's going to be your third. And then Devin Singletary uh, expect to be the second of the running backs in Buffalo. But last year he got more work than we thought. The dude works hard. We'll see what happens over there in Buffalo for as late as you get him. It's not a bad dice roll. Even if you get the number, I'd rather have Zach Moss, but you got Devin Singletary later and you're in that in that let it ride part of the draft. So I don't have any problems with that. So I like your running backs actually. Um, and then the wide receivers, you didn't take one until the third, but Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, DJ Moore, Juju Smith Schuster uh, in the three, four, five, six, and then Jarvis Landry in the six and Russell Gage there in the 11th. This is a really nice upside set of wide receivers that you didn't start until the third round. Keenan Allen, he gets a lot of talk as like a number back, a back end wide receiver too. Um, but his rapport with, uh, Justin Herbert at times is really elite. I mean, the man had 19 targets multiple times in the season. Uh, he finished as the number 14 wide receiver in PPR formats. He's 29 years old. I really like what he's going to be having, uh, the expectations with Justin Herbert as his full-time quarterback. Julio Jones, DJ Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, all players with, with a lot of upside. Juju Smith-Schuster, really nice floor. Um, Jarvis Landry could be the number one in Cleveland ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., but we're just putting Odell Beckham ahead because it's Odell Beckham. But Jarvis Landry, as Hugh Jackson said, uh, was one of the toughest, uh, most talented wide receivers he's ever coached. Juice go bless him, as they'd say. And Russell Gage there, we're not expecting uh, the passing attack from the 
Falcons to be as voluminous as it has been in years past, but we are expecting Russell Gage to be the number two wide receiver, maybe number three option behind Pitts, but still the number two option. And for a guy who had over 700 yards as the number three option with Julio still there last year, I like the upside play there. He doesn't get a quarterback until the very end, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa and as his two, but you go at the very, very end of it all and you get what should be like, you get two starting quarterbacks Fitz likes to throw it. He's got really good weapons. Tua looked all right. Like, I'm holding my breath a little bit, but for where you selected him, I feel pretty good about that. I'd, I'd, I'd feel good coming into uh, the start of the the start of the NFL season. Moving to my last selection here is Usman twenty three twenty, who takes Derrick Henry, my favorite first round running back at the one four spot, and DK Metcalf there in the second. Sticking with the running backs though, he pairs up Derrick Henry with Daryl Henderson in the fourth round. Pairs those two up with Trey Sermon, the rookie running back for the 49ers in the sixth, and then grabs Neam Hines, the presumed third down scat back, if you will, for the Indianapolis Colts in the eleventh. Um, you got two really good running backs in Derrick Henry and Daryl Henderson. Henderson is still being kind of felt out in the fantasy world. How how do we really feel about him as a lead dog with Cam Akers coming out? We're figuring that out. I like it. I like where you got him. I think you got a great value on him, and I love the upside. Trey Sermon, they went out and got him. You know, we still got Mostert. We still got Michael Hasty. Uh, they like to run a lot, but. They went out and got their guy, and Sermon is a fun pick there. I have no problem with where you selected him. You got solid upside floor play running backs. Well done. Let's take a look at the wide receivers then where you took DK Metcalf, who's got room to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year. Uh, I think we think his route tree is a little bit limited. Russ might be a little bit one-sided, if you will. It feels weird to say, but after the strong season he had and then the flat finish, you know, we're still waiting to see on Russell Wilson. And and as weird as that sounds, honestly, I don't think it's unfair to say. Um, it seems like he needs a lot of things to click for him to be a top two fantasy quarterback. You know, he's always he's obviously good. He's a Super Bowl champ. But but how much can he do on his own if the system is not working right along with all of his strengths? Nonetheless, I love DK Metcalf. And you paired him up with Terry McLaurin, who should have his best fantasy season to date, given the role on the team, given his overall development and his quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it's going to be really nice. And Adam Thielen is your three. Uh, I mean, we expect Jamar, or, um, Justin Jefferson to be that one, but Thielen's just been a consistent freak. Uh, high upside, high floor. It's still a two wide receiver team over there. Um, and a lot of great report with Kirk Cousins. Like that pick there, especially as late as he got him. Cortland Sutton is coming back from a big injury, but he was a lot of people's darling last year. And Cortland Sutton, I think this year is going to be, um, it's, it's a nice wait and see, but where you're picking him up, like I think a lot of that risk is built into the ADP. No problem with that. Devontae Parker, more competition. Jalen Waddle, Preston Williams. But Devontae Parker is is still a player. He's got to be healthy. But he's shown us that he can be a top 10 wide receiver. I think he's got a chance for that this year. I'm not banking on it, but neither is Usman 23-20 taking him in the ninth round. Um, Smith there has been in the 12th. It's been a popular pick with the Michael Thomas news going down. I think his ADP is going to rise up. Where he got him there is really nice. Quarterbacks then, Jalen Hurts and Ben Roethlisberger. I love the upside of Jalen Hurts. Ben Roethlisberger is pretty tried and true. Um, I like the pairing of those two, actually. A really nice upside. And then Ben Roethlisberger, he's got high upside. He's got a low floor, but he's going to be the starting quarterback, barring health. Um, and Dallas Godert, there's your tight end. He doesn't have Zach Ertz to, to mess around with his snaps and everything. I, I think this is a good uh, tight end there for you. So this is actually three pretty 
uh, four pretty well-drafted teams. If I had to make a selection, though, of who I think did the best, um, for me, it's got to be the number three turn-off lakeside pick. Um, that gets my selection there. I, I love the starting running back duo of Alvin Kamara and CEH. And these wide receiver core of Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, DJ Moore, or then fill in with Juju, uh, Jarvis Landry, Russell Gage. I think you got depth. I think you got upside. I like the quarterbacking position and nobody else like really, I, I think you stand out. The, I think of the most well-rounded team, nobody here else had like such a dominant set of wide receivers or like the hands down scariest running backs or an uncompetable set of quarterbacks. So for me, it's turn off Lakeside. All right. And that's kicking it now over to Johnny, or excuse me, Travi, who's going to start off with John Credit in the five spot. Yeah, so John Credit uh, contributes over here at the Fantasy Whispers. Big fan of Credit's work. Uh, so he, I'm just going to break him down by position here. He waited till the tenth here to get Tom Brady. I think that's fine value. I probably would have paired Brady, hopefully with a with another quarterback, maybe with some rushing upside. But I don't mind taking Brady here, especially if we see what he did last year on the MCL, as we've talked about. Uh, there's room to get better, dare I say, for Tom Brady, who is now entering his one millionth career uh, <laughs> year in his career. Um, so that's exciting stuff. I, I don't mind the Brady pick here. His running backs are Nick Chubb in the first, DeAndre Swift in the third, and Josh Jacobs in the fourth. Josh Jacobs was the RB8 last year. Now, I understand he's not going to return RB1 value, but the hate has gone a little too far here, I think. And so now he's going to have Josh Jacobs in his flex. So, yeah, is he going to come down from 237 carries probably? But I don't think it's going to be like not around 200. I think that'll be around where he's at. He'll probably come way down in targets because Kenyon Drake's a better pass catcher, so that's fine. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to return flex value, even RB2 value on week to week. So I think Jacobs was a great value and really solidifies credits flex here. And then if DeAndre Swift does fall off a cliff, uh, much to Johnny's chagrin, if he's not good enough in this Detroit offense because the offense is so bad, you got a guy like Jacobs who's going to be the pound and ground and pound guy for for the Raiders. So I kind of like that. We know Gruden loves to run. So liking the running back core here, I think I think he did pretty well. Sometimes that means you have to sacrifice at wide receiver. Let's take a look. He took DeAndre Hopkins in the second, uh, Tyler Lockett in the fifth, um, Debo Samuel in the eighth, and Curtis Samuel in the ninth. The Samuel brothers there. Then Corey Davis and A.J. Green in, in his later picks. Love the A.J. Green as, as the last round pick. Eight you know, to 10 touchdown upside with AJ green. And that's, that's, that's a fact. Like he is there in that offense and could be a big touchdown magnet for this guy. And he's been working with Kyler Murray off all off season. So I really do love this wide receiving setup here. He's got Hopkins. It's almost like a situation where should something happen to Hopkins, AJ green's value would be boosted. So it's kind of a handcuff situation, but I think AJ green has standalone value as well. Lockett's inconsistency bugs us. We know that we've talked about that before. Uh, but he does have those spiked weeks, so he's a good guy to plug in as a wide receiver three. You've got him as your wide receiver two here. That's a little bit rough, um, but we'll see. Does Samuel kind of step into something? Does Curtis Samuel become something? You know, he was never really to you know never really hit a ceiling in Carolina. Does he somehow hit a ceiling in Washington? We will see. Uh, I'm not huge on Curtis Samuel this year because basically he is trying to fill the role he was filling all the time in Carolina. We never really saw him hit a ceiling. So I'm not, I'm just not all the way in on Curtis Samuel here. Um, but I like the Debo Samuel pick. I think he's got a good shot to lead his team uh, in the yak uh, category. So that's, that's going to be valuable here. I think this is a fine team. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to mortgage baby who was auto drafted. So 
couple picks are obviously a little bit sketch here, but he did end up with Patrick Mahomes in the third to start it off at the quarterback position. His running backs uh, are Saquon Barkley, Javante Williams in the sixth. Uh, we heard Smitty love that pick. Melvin Gordon then to shore up the Denver backfield in the eighth. Uh, and then we had Leonard Fournette, who we discussed at length between that Tampa Bay backfield. Um, running backs are a tad shaky, but I like that hit with his RB2 position, he was basically able to lock up the Denver backfield. So he should have whoever the guy is, unless it goes full-blown committee, 50-50 down the middle. But I do think Javante wins that job. I do think he's the right guy to pick. Um, but should anything happen where he hits a rookie wall, Melvin Gordon is there um, as the ninth highest paid running back in the league right now. So, um, not bad. I wouldn't have taken Saquon Barkley there. I don't, I don't like him as a first round pick. I think he belongs somewhere in the Joe Mixon category in the second round. Um, basically with all his workload being limited. So I, I don't think that he's got the running back core that credit really kind of has here. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, huge start here in the second round, but then Michael Thomas, who we know what's going on. That's an auto draft pick there. And then Devonta Smith also, uh, with an injury scare. So, uh, taking a big loss, unfortunately, on the wide receiver category. That, that'll that happen if you auto-draft sometimes. And then tight end Kyle Pitts paired with a Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I don't mind Kyle Pitts uh, if you're going to pair him with someone, but Gronk wouldn't be the one I'm going to pair him with. And and taking Kyle Pitts in the fifth round before uh, Mark Andrews is just not something I would tend to do. We think um, we've talked at length about Kyle Pitts and, and just the outlook and the scary things that are working against him as far as being a rookie, Hayden Hurst still on the roster, Arthur Smith using dual tight ends, all these things lining up against Kyle Pitts. Um, so that's kind of going there. He's got Tyler. Uh, just want to add Trevor Lawrence as his backup QB, a couple late round dart throws and Gabriel Davis and T.Y. Hilton. Um, the auto, for auto draft, it's not bad, but I don't think it's going to be taking home the crown out of these three uh, for me. All right, Thomas Egley rounds it out here. Took Jonathan Taylor uh, in the first. Oh, I'm sorry. He took Josh Allen as his quarterback. I was going positionally here in the third round, right after uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think it's a little high for Josh Allen. We've seen how this happens. If you're QB one one year, you tend to regress the next year. I don't. I don't know if I'd be investing heavily in Josh Allen across redraft this year uh, if you got to take him at that cost. Uh, the reason he was such a hit last year is you could get him in the sixth round. You get him in the seventh round last year. Uh, so. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Chuba Hubbard round out his running backs. Um, I have concerns about Taylor. I know everybody's on him uh, as a top five or a top eight pick. I have concerns with Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack being re-signed, and now with Carson Wentz being banged up. That could actually mean better for Taylor, more volume, but there's just some things in his way that kind of scare me a little bit. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. Then J.K. Dobbins, it's not like you solidified with somebody uh, more surefire uh, in the second round because Dobbins has to deal with Gus Edwards and then even Lamar Jackson. And then to round out your kind of shaky uh, running backs, you go with Miles Sanders, who's got only injuries, injury concerns of his own, fumble concerns of his own, and the fact that this regime did not draft Miles Sanders. Um, so there are some things working against your running back core here that are a little scary. You did get Gainwell, which I think is nice to shore up the, the Sanders pick. Um, but it, it is just kind of a, a little bit of a shaky running back court compared to the other uh, compared to credits. Uh, if I'm, I'm comparing to try and grade here, the wide receivers, uh, you took T Higgins, Brandon cooks, Tyler Boyd, Jalen Waddle, T Higgins, Brandon cooks, and Tyler Boyd are kind of that solid wide receiving core, especially in a PPR. You took Higgins for the upside, which I love. I think actually he's got a great shot to 
uh, actually be the alpha this year and then, you know, stave off Chase one more year as he develops and becomes uh, a rookie in the NFL. Higgins has the established profile. He is a big body. They don't have a, a surefire sure tight end. So you like the touchdown upside that Higgins actually possess. Cook's just volume standpoint is going to eat in this offense. And Boyd has consistently been a PPR, you know, go to as your third, fourth wide receiver. Waddle for some upside. I don't mind the wide receivers. And I actually think that he ties credit as far as a wide receiving core here that I kind of like just the way he kind of built it and structured it out um, in where he hammered wide receiver six through nine. Robert Tunyon to pair with Mark Andrews. I love this. Both guys have huge touchdown upside, um, and Tunyon is back, and we've talked about Matt LaFleur loving Tunyon, thinking that he's progressed most of any Green Bay Packers player since LaFleur has taken over. So there should be some more things, more wrinkles in there to get him um, used. I would be a little bit concerned this year with Randall Cobb coming on board because the slot receiver and the tight end run similar routes on the field, so there could be just a beauty in the eye of the beholder there, uh, a bromance between Cobb and and, and Rob. Rogers, so that could be in the way of Tunyon really hitting a ceiling, but it's, we will uh, see how that plays out. It's beauty in the eye of the beer holder. That's what that's it's, uh, yeah in Milwaukee or Wisconsin. That's definitely yeah. a good one. Um, when I'm breaking these down, I, I had to try and look at it. So QB, I definitely love uh, you know mortgage babies QB, but I also like Thomas's QB situation with Josh Allen. So I'll give Thomas the edge there because he did an auto draft. Running backs, I love credits. Running backs, wide receivers, I think credit and Thomas tied here. Um, and then if I look at tight end, it's definitely Egley's tight ends that I like the most. But the flex goes to credit here with that Josh Jacobs pick. I think that was a huge value. So when I'm looking at it, the flex was the tiebreaker. And I do think that uh, credit wins this of the three that I broke down here. All right. I will round this out with uh, breaking down these last three teams here. We got uh, Jay Blizzy returning the uh, Whisper Nation champ. He will be in the uh, listener league this year. Took Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. How he fell to him there, uh, I was a little bit shocked, but he got him at the 109. Then he went, uh, that was uh, his anchor strategy, is going RB anchor, which I do think is going to be a very popular strategy this year heading into drafts as people kind of figured out that, you know, RB2s are a dime a dozen. So uh, you've got Ezekiel Elliott as your running back anchor. Then you go Tyreek Hill, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods as your three uh, wide receivers here, all twelve, uh, opt, all top twelve projected wide receivers in my rankings. So very solid core there. You got Kareem Hunt as your RB two again. I think that's okay uh, as your RB two because he'll be a plug and play. But as far as your other running backs, I'm not a huge fan of uh, being able to pull off this strategy that you're going for. Um, because you got uh, uh, you got Kenny Galladay as your wide receiver four, which I, I think is great. That's a fantastic value. Russell Wilson as your quarterback one, who we know has tremendous upside. And you also paired him a little bit later, a couple rounds later, uh, with our guy here on the show, Ryan Tannehill, which I know Travis was really mad about not no getting was. him. That's who he wanted uh, over uh, Joe Burrow. And then, uh, so great pairing there. You can go back and forth between those. They should be very, very good for you. Uh, but James Conner and A.J. Dillon, listen, A.J. Dillon has some high upside, uh, you know, if anything were to happen. And I think similar to James Conner, he's got some upside if anything happens to Edmonds. But I believe Edmonds has that job. And, you know, Jones has a surefire uh, handcuff on that on that first job. So uh, it's a little risky for your RB, too. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and then, 
Marquise Brown, now we know that injury is a little bit serious, a little bit. It's a lot of bit serious, according to camp. So that's a concern. But again, your wide receiver five, don't mind it. Uh, and then you grab Irv Smith and Evan Ingram as your two tight ends uh, near the end. They've got decent upside. I'm not a huge fan of either one of these guys this year, but I could be wrong and you could end up dominating at that position. Moving on to easy daddy here. You took uh, Travis Kelsey anchor strategy here with the tight end. I do like that. He paired it with Antonio Gibson, Chris Carson, which are two very, very solid running backs. Chris Carson getting slept on a little bit. You got Herbert as your quarterback in the fourth is pretty good value. I, you know, I do think he regresses from what he had last year, but he'll be, he'll be a decent quarterback for you to start. Travis Etienne is your third running back. Pretty good. You have the hot, the upside there as the flex. Then this is where I, I think it went a little hay, haywire for you. Easy daddy. Um, because you took Brandon is projected to be a number one there. And I do think he has some good value, but I like him more as a wide two for you. Um, and then you took Tollard, which I believe was a move to, to kind of snipe Jay Blizzy from getting his handcuffed to really solidify his anchor strategy there. So I can kind of see why you did it, but I think you paid up a little bit too much for him. And then here's where like, so I'm a fan of Elijah Moore. I do think that there's potential breakout there, but he is a rookie. You've got Michael Gallup. Once again, there's some upside there, but he's not the wide receiver one there. And then you got Darnell Mooney. Once again, there's some upside start throw, but he's not the number one for that offense. And then Sammy Watkins, who's, you know, rapport coming out of camp that he's having a great camp. But again, Watkins, how much can we really trust him? We You'll have him in your lineup. He'll be your wide receiver one. But after that, it might be a little bumpy road. Uh, as far as Troutman in the in the thirteenth or twelfth round, can't tight end. Uh, I, it's a little bit shaky. I do believe people are a little too high on Troutman's upside and what he can actually be this year. Um, but you know, as your second tight end, you need someone to drop potentially, and then grabbing Matt Ryan, not a bad move there. All right, going to uh, Don Flick here. Donnie took a, uh, Aaron Jones in the end of the second. Can't believe that he fell all the way, especially in a PPR. I was trying to decide between those two. Great value there. Grab Stephon Diggs in your second round. Really love him. Have him projected as the number two wide receiver this year. Grabbing Lamar Jackson, which I figured you were going to do after I took Kyler Murray. Then you snipe CD Lamb from me. Uh, Chase Edmonds, who this I'm also really yeah. Donnie. This is, Donnie's yeah, just like, just, this is how you wronged me. This is yeah. how you wronged me. This is uh pretty yeah. He just took a bunch of them uh, that I like. O OBJ hype video that came out this past weekend. He looks great. I mean, he was cutting on that knee left and right, lifting. He's I I think he is going to have a pretty solid year for you. DJ Chark as your wide receiver for like. That's an absolute stack of wide receivers. I think you pulled off this, uh, you know, this anchor strategy of going Aaron Jones, and then you grab Chase Edmonds, who has high upside. You've got another guy in Jamal Williams, who should be a solid production that you could throw in, especially uh, in, you know, for your RB2. And then Jarrett McKinnon, who, you know, he thinks he could be an RB1. We don't believe it, but he should get some passing down work to be an, a decent fill-in. And then the last uh, couple ones you got here, 
Hunter Henry as your tight end at pair with Mike Jacecki. I know someone, a uh, stormtrooper in the comments was asking why you went Hunter Henry over Irv Smith. And I actually think that is the right move. Uh, Irv Smith, we've heard it before and, you know, we've been hyped on him, but that offense just generally doesn't involve their tight end a significant amount. So I think going Hunter Henry, who has is supposed to have the Gronk role, has a much higher ceiling. I do think, you know, Donnie had mentioned he plans on going with Jacecki most of the year. I think that's the right move. We saw Jacecki and Tua really click uh, towards the end of the season. And with him, you know, being moved back inside, I think that'll help with his uh, steadiness at the position. So uh, and then uh, he took Baker Mayfield, a high upside quarterback at the end to pair with Lamar Jackson. I think Donnie has a great team, not only because he stole a lot of, of my players, but I truly think that he pulled off the strategy he was trying. <laughs> and of the three, I think he has the most solid team overall. All right. That's it. There it is. So we got so Johnny, your selection was Don Donnie. Don Flick, who for I think this is the second week in a row that he's uh, well done, Don on. Flick. Yeah, well done, Donnie. And then Johnny, or excuse me, Travi Credit, right? Yeah, I took, yeah, Jake Credit is the winner here. And I had turn off Lakeside there, drafting in the three spots. Whisper Nation, let us know between turn off Lakeside, Jay Credit in the five, and Don Flick there in the twelve. Who do you think did the best? Who do you think had the best mock draft? Uh, also, let us know if Johnny or Travis stood out to you. And be sure to drop us any questions that you have. If we don't get your questions right away, we'll be going back through them um, over the next couple of days, and we'll be sure to get to everything. If you enjoyed the show and you haven't liked and subscribed, please do so here on YouTube. Follow our Discord link to catch the live mock draft links coming out ahead of time. They come out first for our $5 Patreon subscribers, and then we drop them to the general Whisper Nation universe following that. You can catch those on Discord. You can also catch those on Twitter, which is where they'll come third after all of that. Uh, so on behalf of Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travi, I'm Austin Sear. Any closing thoughts? That's it. Just like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. We're the Fancy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Right here. Oh, hey. You made it to the end of the video. If you like what you saw and you want to learn how to dominate your own draft and win your own league, head on over to thefantasywhispers.com and grab your copy of the Fantasy Whispers Draft Kit today. Or click the link in the description below. And if you're still not sold, check out one of these videos.